The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over. James, we're going to be taking a spin through the Carolina League, looking at your latest Farm Futures piece, Carolina League Roundup. Also grading Snoop Dogg, a certified legend, but maybe coming in with those grades a little lower than some might expect. I think everyone's kind of you know, aware of how far snoop's uh content has kind of fallen over the past decade or so so i, I don't think people are going to be too surprised i mean uh i think we were fair yeah but very I, fair. I still think there's some um, maybe 
maybe impact. Just kind of depends how much you want to weigh his good stuff and his bad stuff. Yeah, that's very true. Well, we, last week we took a look at at the arms in the Carolina League, and there wasn't wasn't much to uh, talk about. Slim Pickens there, but on the hitting side, there are quite a few promising bats, some very intriguing players. We'll start with Victor Robles, a guy that <clears throat> yeah, he's still kind of dreaming on the tools right now. Stat line so far. 233, 346, 344, at least at the, t- at the time of this writing. Uh, 90 at-bats only at, at Potomac. But at 19, you have him as the 10th-ranked prospect in the minor leagues right now. Is this a guy that you're targeting and you think can maybe get in your dynasty league at a reasonable cost? I think it's going to be tough to to get him for anything much less than, than face value or 100 cents on the dollar. I, I, I just... This would be the time, I guess, that you could maybe get him for, for a, tight, a slight discount just because he's gotten off to a bit of a slow start at high A. But, I mean, look at his numbers at low A. Uh, was still young for that level, uh, just just dominated there. So, um, you know, it's an easy top 15 prospect for Dynasty Leagues. It gets kind of interesting when you're, when you're kind of ranking those guys sort of in the 7 to 15 or 16 range just because – you kind of do got to use ETA, I think, to, to break some ties. Um, I ended up moving Manuel Margot ahead of Robles just because I kind of think that the the realistic outcome is sort of the same with both guys. You, you're looking at guys that, that are going to hit for a really high average steal, 20-plus uh, bases, hit for a little bit of power, hit, hit at top of a big league lineup, and Margot's going to beat Robles by probably about two years to the big leagues. Um, Robles probably has a, a tad more upside in the power department and, and probably you know, a tad more upside in the speed department as well. And uh, I actually kind of feel more confident about his hit tool at this level than I did Margot, say, two years ago. But the fact that Margot is knocking on the door, I think, breaks that tie. And then Robles versus Devers, who, who's the next guy we're going to talk about. I have Rafael Devers ranked 11th. I think you could very easily flip-flop those two if you wanted to kind of depends what you what you're trying to value both guys project to have plus plus hit tools uh both guys have plus carrying tools robles it's the speed uh devers is it's the power and to me I give the slight edge to the guy with the speed who also is definitely going to stick in the outfield and is also going to do a little bit in in the power department whereas devers might move to dh and might uh, be kind of a zero in, in the speed department. Yeah, I'm with you. And just to clarify, last week we talked about arms in the California League. This is the Carolina League, of course. Uh, just was a little mixed up there. But Devers, one of the bigger risers recently on your top 200. I think he was down in, what, the 30s, even uh, maybe in June. Now up to 11, as you mentioned. Really coinciding with his hot run at the plate. We've seen the the Red Sox kind of... You know, some of their prospects force the team's hand and uh, make the the front office kind of move up their estimated timetable. Has that happened with Devers in terms of his ETA? He still kind of looks like a, a one-year-at-a-time guy for me. Uh, the fact that he got off to a slow start at high A, the fact that the power is still more projection than game power at this point. You know, I mean, I think – a lot of people project him to be a 30 homer guy, but that that's, you know, you're still projecting quite a bit there with him. It, it's not 
quite shown up in games that way just yet. So I don't see him being kind of a Moncada type that's that could go you know three levels in a year. Uh, Devers, I still think, probably arrives sometime in 2018, probably towards the back half of that season. Yeah, and with Moncada, I know he's got that ankle injury. Does that kind of take him off the table for a September call-up? Just while we're on the topic of the Red Sox. Yeah, I never, I, don't know, I never really bought into him being a September guy, just based on the the lack of experience in the upper levels and the complete lack of need on the big league roster. Unless you just wanted to kind of scrap third base altogether and and see if Moncada could could play over there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll be up, you know, sometime next summer. Devers' teammate at Salem, Michael Kopech, uh, 20-year-old, number 15 on your your top 200, 141 ERA, 1-1-0 whip, 60 strikeouts in just 38 in the third inning with Salem. He, he's another high riser and recently touched 105 uh, on several radar guns last month. Is the upside with, with Kopech uh, among the highest among minor league arms? Yeah, I, I think he's – He's kind of right where a guy like Alex Reyes sort of was for me this time last year in terms of, you know, this is kind of your last chance maybe to to buy without paying for a, a future ace. And I think that's that's what Kopech could be. And and it, even just in the pitch mix, he kind of reminds me a bit of Reyes in terms of where all the pitches are, where the fastball is so far out in front of the rest of the offerings. But you see a uh, breaking ball. In Kopech's case, it's a slider that, that could end up getting to plus. And then if you, you pair a plus slider with well, maybe the best fastball in baseball, but by the time he breaks into the big leagues, all you really need is the, the changeup to be average or even just like fringe average, yeah. and that'll that'll still play just fine based on the, the difference in, in speeds between the fastball. So... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm really excited to, to see this guy push through the minors in, in a big time hurry. I think that that's another thing he sort of shares with Reyes where, uh, he'll, I think Kopech will, will probably be up at some point next year. Um, when you, when you have a guy that's throwing that hard, it just seems silly to, to waste those bullets in the minor leagues mm-hmm. at the very least. I think even right now he might be able to be a serviceable uh, late inning arm just based on on the repertoire and uh, obviously they want to build his innings up a bit more so they'll definitely keep him in a, in a starting role for now but um yeah i mean he he's definitely a guy that if you can if you're in one of a, those shallower dynasty leagues i know there are people playing some like leagues on cbs where you can roster like three prospects or something like that uh Kopic might still be out there and, and now's the time to grab him yeah i think that that comp with him and reyes is interesting because you know, Reyes has that great fastball, and he has that curveball as his main secondary pitch. But the changeup's looking pretty good as well. Of course, working in relief right now. But do you think maybe uh, Kopic could could go on a similar path and maybe you know pitch out of the bullpen in his debut late in the season? Uh it's it's so I think he's a good candidate to uh, pitch in the Arizona Fall League this year and. A little bit of that's just wishful thinking on my part because I really want to see him there. Mm. Uh, but it would make sense just based on the amount of time you missed with the injury. You'd kind of like to get that, that innings total up as high as you can this season so that next year you feel a bit more comfortable uh, letting him get up into the 100-plus you know, inning territory. Uh, to me, it's going to kind of come down to 
what the Red Sox need, how desperate they are for for uh, kind of a boost in that rotation. I could see him being used in relief, but you know, if they think he's ready and there's a need, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they used him as a starter next year. Wow, that'd be be pretty amazing. Uh, you know, just thinking of the Arizona Fall League, I heard Garrett Richards might be down there. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. We're, we'll be, uh, of course, down there for first pitch Arizona, and seeing you know seeing the prospects is great, but also seeing maybe some of these like we saw Profar last year. Mm-hmm. These guys kind of rehabbing from injury. I don't like that that path. More seems like more arms are taking. I get that you know the the following year would be lost regardless, but the the PRP stem cell treatment rather than knocking out Tommy John right away. What do you think of that general approach? Uh, we, we've seen a bit more with, with arms lately. So I kind of get it based on the timetable mm-hmm. that they're all looking at because if you had Tommy John right now, you're still going to miss all of 2017. Yeah. If you have Tommy John in like December, you're still going to miss all of 2017 and you could, you know, you're still, you're still hoping to be ready for opening day 2018. Once it gets past, you know, once you're possibly costing yourself a year, uh, by putting it off, then I yeah, jeopardizing twenty eighteen. Right, then I then I would kind of raise my eyebrows, but I mean I think that's a big factor in what these you know what a yeah, doctor's telling you. I mean no, I mean there have been guys that have been able to you know Masahiro Tanaka, um, you know I I know Felix Hernandez has had some minor stuff with his elbow that he's always uh, pitched through. We don't really know how severe any of it has been, but my Ada maybe too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you can, you you pitch through it. If it seems like surgery is going to happen, uh, there's a high likelihood of it happening, and you can save yourself some some recovery time. I'd do that. But uh, right now, just given the timetable, I kind of understand trying to trying to work through it without going under the knife. Yeah, we need to get that roto radar gun before we go down there. Get some reads on That's on true. Richards when he's down there. Let's move on to Bobby Bradley. He was a guy that we. We drafted last week in our, our redo of the 2014 draft. 20-year-old with Lynchburg. You have him as the 41st-ranked prospect in your top 200. Solid production, I mean, definitely in terms of power this year. 25 homers, 250 average, though, 360 on base. Uh, does he have any comps at the major league level that, that you feel particularly strong about? Uh, You know, they're different players in terms of handedness, obviously, but I think I, I I feel pretty confident in saying that his floor or his realistic floor is kind of a Chris Carter type and his realistic ceiling is, is a Edwin Encarnacion type. Wow, that's a that's a high ceiling. So I mean that just kinda I think that's a, a pretty accurate way of sort of painting the type of production ranges you have there. The power is gonna be there kind of regardless. Sort of depends if you're going to be getting a, a 220, 225 average or a 260, 265 average. Uh, I mean, the walks are there. I mean, I had someone ask in the comments section here about you know, some players, and I already mentioned that he was in an OBP league, and I was like, well, Bradley for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. Bradley's going to be a, an OBP stud. I think that's that kind of goes without saying. In that format, yeah, I mean, crazy right. value. Um and he's and because of that in real life he'll hit he'll hit cleanup you know I mean it, you're not going to worry about that that batting average pushing him down the lineup I mean he's still going to be getting on base a ton so you're going to get those RBIs regardless uh, he's he's just one of those special power hitters in the minor leagues there aren't that many of them I mean 
every every year he leads whatever league he's in in homers. Um, I, I think you can make a case that after Joey Gallo, he's got the the most in game raw power in the minors right now. And obviously, there's a ton of risk with the batting average um, and the the strikeouts, but just the the chance that he's a 35, 40 homer bat in the big leagues, I think warrants him being a top 50 guy. Move on to Francisco Mejia, who, you know, notable hit streak extended to 50 games before it came to an end and was going to be the centerpiece in the return package from Milwaukee in the proposed deal that sent Jonathan Lucroy to the Indians. Of course, that got nixed, but Mejia's definitely a, a fast riser. Among catchers right now, still in the minor leagues, is he kind of separated and, and established himself as the the clear number one catching prospect? Uh, now that now that Gary Sanchez is up in the big leagues, I have him ranked as as the top guy. I have him fifty uh, first overall. I have Jorge Alfaro fifty seventh overall. So those guys are are you could you could take either one there. I don't I don't see a big gap uh, Nottingham not really in that tier no I've I've Nottingham down uh, a little bit but you know Mejia and Alfaro very different prospects I mean almost almost polar opposite catching prospects because with Mejia what you're loving is the floor you're loving I mean the hit tool the contact uh, just a really well-rounded player I mean a great defender um, he actually kind of reminds me a lot of Lucroy, the guy he was almost traded for. I think that's that's kind of the type of production you're sort of hoping for if you own him. Uh, Alfaro, on the other hand, a, a pretty risky risky proposition, but the upside is is through the roof. I mean, he's got way more raw power than Mejia, uh, and then way more contact issues. Uh, barely ever takes a walk. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely a scenario where Alfaro kind of washes out and is sort of one of those catchers that hits 200 and, and gets you 18 20 homers and you maybe use them in a two catcher league and just hate yourself for it because you're, you're killing your batting average Mejia should be a, a guy that doesn't really hurt you anywhere another guy another catcher in the Carolina league not having quite the same success but Zach Collins drafted in this year's draft actually older than Mejia he's 21 years old 260 average 374 on base 429 slug you know of course in dynasty leagues and really baseball in general banking on on catching prospects as offensive threats you know that development can be slow and could be waiting a while could flame out uh but is Zach Collins kind of a guy that you feel confident about as having a decent floor uh, offensively uh I you know I don't want to quite say that just because he has a little bit of contact issues as well um, I like that he's a, a bat first guy that they're keeping at catcher because that sort of suggests that they uh, are going to give him at least a, a pretty long leash in terms of sticking there. And, you know, the, the aggressive assignment to high A. Um, I mean, not, he, got, he hasn't fallen on his face. No, I, I, I like it. I, I think that it, it definitely sort of shows that he, he is a pretty advanced hitter in terms of that, that draft class from this year. Uh be interesting to kind of see the books books sort of still out on how much in-game power he's going to offer and, and sort of what that hit tool is going to end up sort of grading out as uh, as a professional. But I think he's he's a top five catching prospect in the minor leagues already. Move on to Joe Mar Reyes and the Orioles organization. He's been one of the big fallers. We talked about some some heavy risers so far this season on your prospect list. Reyes, a big faller. I think, what, since 
start of the season, like 80, 85 spots or so. It's been a dramatic fall for him. 122 now on your top 200. He's still 19, but 227 average. And really, I, I imagine the, the big part in his dip on the rankings is the, the fact that the power just hasn't hasn't shown up this year. We've been, yeah, we've been I waiting mean, it's, and waiting. It's just sort of, you know, I, th- I think you could look at his numbers and, and be more pessimistic than than maybe necessary and and unnecessarily write him off it's obviously not ideal that he's you know i I hate the fact honestly even more than the power i hate the fact that he's not getting on base Mm -hmm. uh just a 267 on base for for joe mar i mean he's he's only two homers behind devers pace so it's not you know crazy uh bust in that department and he's he's gonna end up doubling last year's homer total but He's 19 years old. He's the youngest player in the league. So I kind of give him a pass. I think now if you're in a deep dynasty league that rosters 150, 200 prospects, I think now's a perfect time to come calling to his owner because, you know, honestly next year I wouldn't mind if he repeated the level, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a bump anyways. I mean, either way, there's going to be – a narrative that that is going to be favorable for you where if he repeats he's still one of the youngest players in the level i would expect him to really kind of dominate a second time through and if he goes up to double a then he's the youngest player at that level and you kind of have a free pass if the production's not there so you know not a guy that i'm writing off by by any means you're not gonna be able to get much from a trade right now which is why i'd, I'd definitely be trying to buy if possible hmm, interesting interesting so Faller, but you're still buying because, you know, you're not not writing him off, and I think that's definitely justified. We'll go to Travis Demerit, who we talked about shortly after his trade to Atlanta. He does come with a lot of lot of risk, a lot of swing and miss in his game, but also uh, a lot of power when he does connect. Is he somebody kind of in that vein that you know maybe if you roster ten ten minor leaguers in your in your keeper league that you're going out to maybe. to buy as as a throw-in on a deal you know i think the trade actually probably put his the 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 trade from texas to atlanta put him on the radar to the point that if anything he's probably overvalued at this point (laughs) i still think you know of all the players we've talked about he's got as much risk to me as all of them combined (laughs) if you just (laughs) if you factor in the contact issues i mean he's he's a special athlete uh super toolsy plays second base that's all awesome uh but he's just the contact is just a huge huge issue striking out over 33 percent of the time at all of his recent levels and to me that's that's got to come down obviously for him for him to be all that useful i mean the tools are kind of what keeps him in the top 200 the fact that he's also still age appropriate right now and and plays a a premium fantasy position uh keeps him in there but i'd I'd still kind of bet against him making it as a regular guys a quick word from our sponsor before we move on do you need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix.com has something for you Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. 
With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. Because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Yu Chang Chang in the Indians organization. I didn't know really anything about him. I hadn't really heard the name even before right around the deadline. He was mentioned, uh, I think he was linked to the Yankees and and the, the Brewers as part of that Lucroy package is he somebody that uh, you kind of got your eyes eyes on now and kind of buying into some of this this recent hype? Uh, you know, we, I had him in the the Indians top ten a couple of years ago, and then he just had an awful twenty fifteen season. Um, he came over from Taiwan, I think, in twenty twelve, maybe. And yeah, I mean, he's he's had two awesome seasons, and then the big dud last year at at low a this year still young for the level 20 years old uh if you kind of i mean he's actually about to turn 21 but uh if you kind of compare his numbers to some other short steps in terms of how they've performed relative to their age and level i think he's he's kind of right up there with, with the best names at the position and he doesn't have that same pedigree he doesn't have necessarily the same uh tools on defense i haven't heard the same kind of raves about him sticking at the position but you know even if he ends up moving to third base or second base or something like that i still think there's five category potential here uh would expect him to go one year at a time though i don't don't expect him to to push through the minors all that quickly yeah i mean the Plate skills seem pretty good, and yeah, the the mix of power and speed. Twelve homers, eleven steals. Do you see him being like a, a mid-teens guy in both of those categories? Maybe at his prime, <clears throat> at his peak. I think that's fair to fair to project. You know, maybe he gets to twenty homers and like eight steals when it's when he's kind of in his, his mid twenties, something like that. Um, it'll be kind of all about the the bat, though. I mean, what what's he going to hit for? Uh, because if he's not offering uh, above average defense, uh, he he can't really be hitting in the he doesn't have enough power or speed to be hitting in like the two forty two fifty range and justify playing every day. Move on to Trevor Clifton. You know, even with Glaber Torres, Dan Vogelbach, Billy McKinney dealt, still an embarrassment of riches really in this Cubs system. Those three guys leaving has cleared room for Clifton to enter the discussion as a top ten prospect in the organization. Uh, yeah, two nine six ERA, one two zero WHIP. Results really strong so far with Myrtle Beach. Better than a, a strikeout per inning. But if if you were to put uh, maybe a, a cap on the upside here, what, what are we looking at with Clifton? I think he's you know at best a, a number three. Uh, but you know, look at that Cubs rotation right now, mm-hmm. and. You know, how many of those guys would you have said would ever be better than a number three, uh, like even two years ago? You got Kyle Hendricks, Jason Hamill. Kyle Hendricks is like an ace right now. Uh, John Lackey. And I think of the top 20 uh, pitchers in, in all of baseball and wins, the Cubs have four of them. And that just kind of speaks to 
the added fantasy value there is to owning a Cubs starter, even if you know if, if Clifton gets into say like the number five or number four starter role for them in three or four years, uh, you could still be looking at fifteen, sixteen wins and and a respectable ERA. He's going to have great defense behind him, a ton of run support. I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to like in just sort of buying a, a high floor guy in this system and. You know he's he's 21. That's that's totally fine for a guy at high A. He's got a, a four pitch mix. Uh, you know, low to mid 90s on the fastball. So he, he's not the type of guy that's um, you know he's, he's not your typical number five soft house or anything like that. And and he's going to beat guys like Oscar De La Cruz and Dylan Cease to the big leagues. So I think he gets kind of first crack at being the next guy from within the organization that, that they legitimately consider for a full-time spot in that rotation. So we're on the topic of the Cubs organization. When is Eloy Jimenez going to get bumped up to Myrtle? <laughs> That's a good question. Because I, I mean, saw your note on him on the site yesterday, kind of gushing a little bit. It's but just, I, I definitely see the case. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think he's... You know, he's young enough. I mean, there, there's, there's there might still be some... I don't know, maybe some maturity issues or, you know, he's probably got to work a little bit on his defense. The BABIP's still over 400, so it's not like yeah, – I wouldn't be surprised if the, the scouting hasn't quite lined up with the, the stats so far on him this year, but uh, certainly proven um, pretty convincingly to me that he's one of the better hitters in the lower levels. So Trevor Clifton just snuck into your top 200 uh, at 198. The rest of the guys you mentioned here, not ranked, but definitely some some very intriguing players still I want to touch on. Start with Samir Dunez, really, uh, really tearing it up. I mean, only 194 at-bats with Wilmington, but 314, 376, 500, seven homers. I don't know much about him, but is he somebody in the Royals organization uh, most in dynasty and keeper leagues, we'll we'll need to keep an eye on. Yeah, he, you know he was kind of digging into the the league. He was kind of the biggest revelation to me, just because um, I I remember him actually turning some heads back in 2014 when he was a 17 year old. Uh, you know, people talking about how he might be a one of the next great sort of first base prospects, and then. Nothing really happened after that, especially in the power department. Um, I mean, people had been talking about his bat speed and, and just his hit tool in general and, and the power potential down the road. None of that was really showing up until this year. He forces, he starts at low A, forces that, that promotion to to high A, and you know, he's still 20 years old. So he's, he's young for the level, and the approach is excellent. Um, he's starting to, starting to get that power into games. He's not going to turn 21 until next June. So say he opens the year at double-A next year as a 20-year-old, you're not going to be paying attention to this guy. I mean, now's the time to to go out and, and add a guy like this. Uh, maybe not in leagues where 200 prospects are rostered, but in, in 250 or 300 uh, really deep leagues like that, I think he should probably be owned. I think you can make a case that he's maybe a better uh, first base prospect than Ryan O'Hearn, who's also in the Royals system. Uh, he's 23 and at Double A and showing a ton of power. Uh, well, not a ton of power, but a decent amount of power. But he's striking out a ton as well. So, uh, to me, uh, Dunez has 
you know, he's he's got some some long time long term intrigue, and I definitely would imagine he's unowned in the in the vast majority of formats. Yeah, I have a, uh, I have a sense that maybe uh, in our staff keeper league too next year, maybe a little late pick somebody well, could could snag. The him. nice the nice thing for me in that league next year is I'm going to have all ten of my minor league spots <laughs> open heading into yeah. the the, uh, the the draft. So <laughs> I'm going to be you taking and a couple other teams. And I think I've traded like, I don't know, three or four of my first like five reserve picks. So I'm just going to be scraping the bottom of my 200, just digging for, digging for low low miners guys and upside guys that I could maybe hold on to for a couple of years and watch their stock climb. But yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who's the headliner of my farm system heading into <laughs> next season. Yeah, that that will be interesting. But hey, you get you get a bunch of those guys maybe a year later. You got. You got ten top one hundred guys. You but just hey, never know. You know. But hey, it's possible. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Max Schrock and the Nationals organization. He's at Potomac right now. Also, you know, red hot through two hundred and four at bats at the time of, of the writing of this. Three twenty eight average, three sixty on base, four fifty one. You know, I don't typically like to target second base prospects no. in fantasy, but is he a guy that has enough bat to where? Uh, maybe you consider it. Uh, you know, I don't think he needs to be rostered yet. I, it's t- it's a tough call because he's a uh, you know Carson Sestouli of Fangraphs. Um, he loves Schrock, uh, just loves the approach and everything like that. And he's kind of one of those overlooked guys, not a ton of pedigree. Uh, I don't know if see see guys like this like the one of the reasons you don't like to target second base prospects is because if for whatever reason they don't hit all the way up and hit yeah. in a big way then there's really nowhere for them to play because they're already all the way down on the defensive spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh you're looking at look at a guy like Colton Wong right now with the Cardinals like he didn't hit and now, like they don't really know what to do with him. Like he, he's yeah. maybe not their best second baseman long term, and they kind of tried center field. I mean, you're not going. And also, how many teams carry like a backup second baseman? Yeah. You know, it, it's. I mean, there are some some teams that have. You got to be able to weird, play short if you're going to fill that utility right. role. And so it's just it's asking a lot for a guy like Schrock uh, to make it as an everyday player, and then. Throw in the fact that he's in an organization where you know who knows if he's he's blocked by the time he gets up there, uh, just still probably a better than average or better than fifty fifty shot that he's a kind of a guy that's up and down maybe a little bit. I just I kind of want to see him do it, keep doing it at Double A next year. Maybe I'll start to buy in uh, this time in in twenty seventeen. Got in your others of note, we got some. Some X uh, only built for Cuban Lynx members here. <laughs> Quite a few. I, I want to touch on them because I'm selfish. Uh, Braxton Davidson, he was a guy that you got kind of ridiculed in your other league for not really giving any love, right? And now you're kind of being proven correct. Um, yeah, well, so I'm I'm in the, the TDGX uh, Dynasty Expert League that I'm, I'm in. Uh, it wasn't even – I wasn't getting ridiculed. It was – you know, someone made him available like on their block, you know, kind of like, um, I think it was before the season, just kind of like, Hey, hey, but, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but Hey, I got Braxton Davis, you know, and, and nobody was biting. And then he was like angry. Like he said, you know, said like, uh, like, I guess, I guess nobody wants a guy with a 
you know, 122 WRC plus at, at low A, you know, like and stuff like that. And it's pretty obvious, like why people might not want to be in on, on Braxton Davidson. And it's become even more obvious this year in, in a huge way, honestly. I mean, he's striking out 35% of the time. He's only like 10 K's back of Adam Brett Walker. Uh, <laughs> and I assume I always, I always look at what Adam Brett Walker's at and just assume that that's leading the minors <laughs> unless Matt Davidson's been in the minors all year, then I'll assume that he might be leading it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Davidson still has a bunch of raw power, still walks a ton. But, I mean, that strikeout rate is, is now to the point where you can almost kind of write him off in yeah. in normal-sized dynasty leagues because the amount of times a guy goes from 35% uh, as a 20-year-old to getting that down into a, a manageable area – you know, unless it's a guy with just crazy, crazy physical gifts like a Joey Gallo or, or Javi Baez, then it's it's kind of safe to write him off. And, and Braxton Davidson doesn't have that kind of power. He's he's more of a sixty grade power guy. So at that point, you can kind of kind of cut bait. Yeah, I mean, ten homers, but a three seventy two slug. Uh, that's not what you want from a guy who's kind of billed as a, as a power hitter. Uh, still some there, but yeah, I think the overall package is is pretty underwhelming another ob4 cl staple trey ball uh for a couple of years uh really the big, struggling the big guns <laughs> how did yeah, you not turn had that a, into a I had a sick team. system <laughs> i had a freaking awesome system no trey ball you know he was one of my last reserve picks i think pretty you know one of the early years uh Long ways off, and it hasn't materialized. Can't find the strike zone to save his life, really, this year. 62 walks and 101 in the third innings. Is he a guy that, just given the control issues, you're highly confident that he's going to be a bullpen arm? Yeah, I definitely definitely highly confident at this point. I mean, it, that's a funny draft to go back and look at in terms of the, the pitchers that got taken after him. Uh he actually wasn't doing all that bad in the first half this year. Uh, had a two six ERA, one three seven WHIP through fifty two innings in the first half, and it's just he's just giving it all back and then some in the second half. So uh, it's not that he can't necessarily flash uh, starter potential at times, but it, he hasn't done it with any regularity at all. So I, I would say safe bet in him is a a power lefty out of the bullpen. Donnie Deweese is a guy that we saw. Uh, what the hell's the name of that town? South Bend. South Bend. Forgettable. Right. Forgettable yeah. town. Yeah, <laughs> really forgettable. Um, but he's with Myrtle Beach now. Results good, good really, for him. really strong. Yeah. I mean, what an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> from South Bend to Myrtle Beach. 304, 364, 456. Uh, two homers, but nine for nine on stolen base attempts. Did have two homers. Uh, sorry, three homers with South Bend, so five. But are we looking at a guy who's, you know, at, at his peak, maybe barely cracking double digits at the major league level? I just think he's a fourth outfielder until, until proven otherwise. That's that's gonna kind of be my call on him. I, we saw him kind of have trouble catching up to high velocity. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got great bat speed. I do think he's got very good in-game speed. I mean, I think I, I clocked him at at four seconds, uh, home to first. Um, I mean, he's he's a burner for sure, but I think he's one of those fourth outfield burners that kind of can come in, play all all three outfield spots, serve as a 
pinch runner, defensive replacement, what have you, and, and kind of bring value that way. And especially factor in the organization we're talking about here. I mean, he would have to get traded to ever profile as a regular for, for his big league team. Any others you list here and the others of note that you want to touch on before we grade Snoop? No, let's let's get to let's get to Snoop. All right, but before we do, another quick word from our sponsor. Nobody gets in their car thinking I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They might think I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive, or I only live a few minutes from here, or I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. They think like that right up until the moment they kill someone. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free Safe Ride app to help you call a taxi or send a friend to your location when you've been drinking. Drive sober or get pulled over. For those unfamiliar with how we grade hip-hop artists, we grade them on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. Grade the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop artists Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. Then we give an overall grade. Had some had some differences last week on the twist of grade. I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let that die for now. But Snoop Dogg grades we're pretty close here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, lyricism was my lowest mark. Uh, your lowest mark as well. I think he has some moments on on a doggy style. doggy style and and maybe even like dog father uh and then sort of after that it just kind of all kind of boils down to just beats and flow like on his later albums i mean he's yeah, from even like even on doggy style like you know you listen to those lyrics today they don't sound nearly as impressive because it's just he's kind of repackaged all of his lyrics sort of throughout his career oh, yeah, you know yeah. he's just kind of doing the same thing so when you first heard Doggy Style, you're probably like, "Holy crap!" You know, I love um, that album. Yeah, it's it's one of my fa- five favorite albums of all time. Yeah, it's no, great. No question. That's a, that's a certified classic for sure. I'll say, starting with like the game is to be sold, not to be told. No limit, top top dog, scraping the bottom of the barrel for lyrics, but the early yeah, yeah. early portion. Yeah, and uh, going to No Limit Records is I, bad for your lyrics. I honestly, I love. Uh, one of my guilty pleasure albums is is the last meal. I actually actually really like <laughs> I really right. like that album because there's uh, Dr. Dre comes comes back and, and throws a decent amount of beats his way and, and cocaine's on some of the hooks. So obviously you're gonna like that. Um, but you know, back to lyricism, just just not a standout tool. But but I gave him 45. You gave him a 30. Yeah, I think that's. Again, just been weighed down throughout the years, but early on it was, you know, there was never anything real flashy with the lyrics, but early on I think the first couple albums he had boost the grade for You me. had to think probably like on Nothing But a G Thing where it's it's him and Dre and like, you know, he kind of murders Dre or not murders him, but like Overshadows. you can tell like who the better lyricist is on that song and that yeah. was like his kind of coming out party. You probably thought back then, holy crap, man, this this is a guy that's just going to be spitting crazy lyrics for his whole career it didn't really turn out that way but he, he still had a heck of a career now flow I, I gave nate dog an 80 flow i gave Ghostface an 80 flow i gave cameron an 80 flow you just you I, couldn't bring yourself i to couldn't throw get myself to do snoop dog at an 80 you got an 80 and i understand why i got a 65 and i do think maybe it is just because i find it kind of tired at this point mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like just chill, chill vibes and flow, I mean, he, he did really, uh, set a new standard for hip hop. I think if you heard anyone 
for as long as we've all heard Snoop that you would just grow tired of their flow almost yeah. regardless of how good it was to begin with. Uh, so I definitely get that. I think he's definitely got one of the most recognizable flows of all time. Yeah. Um, maybe even the rec- most recognizable flow of all time. And, uh, you know, how many guys, this is a flow that a ton of guys had tried to, to copy oh, yeah. and most have, have failed in that, in that attempt. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, his flow is kind of what put him on his, on the map and his flow is sort of what's, what's kept him going this long. Yeah. Even when the lyrics are like the worst of the right. worst for Snoop Dogg, it's still carried it, by the it, flow. It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's yeah. it's like you don't even really blink about how bad the lyrics are just because yeah. the flow is it's fine. And know, it's just a whatever. trademark flow. And let's just get this straight. We're not counting Snoop Lion no. in this. No. Let's just eliminate that from our collective memory <laughs> no. before we move on. Longevity, easy eighties here. There's nobody who's really you know, maybe he's not as active now, but he's still you know, you still see him on features, maybe a, a solo studio release here and there. But that, what, 20-plus-year window he I had mean, where he's constantly pumping out music? Probably coming on. We're, I mean, we're 30? closer to 25 than 20. Yeah. At this, I mean, because I think uh, Chronic was, what, 2000 or 1992 maybe? Uh, Doggy yeah. Style, I think, was 93. Um, I mean, that yeah, we're 23 years in, and he's definitely still, like you said, I mean, every year he's on a few tracks of mm-hmm. note and uh, never really took any time off during that run in terms of, solo albums i mean yeah. I, I doubt he ever went more than two years without releasing a solo album throughout that span so uh pretty pretty incredible longevity there yeah i'm trying to think of anybody else who's really kind of rivaled that longevity uh, and i, I, I can't mean, really i'm looking back at some of these grades and i mean like jay-z's kind of yeah maybe Jay. close but jay-z came along like three years after snoop and hasn't been as active as in, in re- recent years dre maybe but he's more behind right. the seeds on the exactly on the st- turntables now or on the the beats not so much but yeah i mean wow nobody really can hold a candle to the snoop dogg's longevity it's pretty i'm looking at some of these grades and i haven't really given uh much higher than well i gave yeah, nas a 60 nobody can really hold a candle to, to snoop and i think that's uh, as it should be impact 65 you got a 70 again a lot of people have tried a lot of people have failed to copy that that flow, but I think Snoop Dogg's impact, regardless of coast, is huge. Yeah, I could have given him. I honestly could have given him an eighty here. Uh, one of, I mean, definitely on the Mount Rushmore. I think of of West Coast hip hop. Uh, you know, just so many, and and look at the kind of the Dog Pound and like Two One Three, and uh, even guys like you know, Kendrick Lamar and, and guys like that that are coming out of the West Coast now, they all still kind of reference Snoop Dogg as, as a guy that they sort of looked up to and, and have kind of tried to emulate. So, I mean, big-time big, big time impact. And he had a ton of crossover appeal, mainstream appeal. Like, even people nowadays, like the thing where he, like, narrates, like, nature videos, like, people <laughs> just think Snoop's funny and, and like Snoop. He goes around. to, like, the Comedy Central roasts and stuff yeah, like that. just blowing tree on stage, just... <laughs> Swag, I got a 70, you got a 60. This is one where, you know, I feel like maybe with uh, flow, it's kind of been just dragged down a little bit mm. over time, but I don't think anybody can really question Snoop's that's, swag. That's true. I I think where I've sort of started dinging him there, um, I think if you'd asked me, say, in 2000 or something, I would have given it an 80. I think he's just done – there's been too much just, like, crappy, like, Pop reality songs. TV yeah. shit. Like he, or, I mean, he's on, like, VH1 and MTV and 
all this stuff, doing a bunch California of California girls, just a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, and a lot and, of commercial music. You know, a lot of like kind of playing football, like flag football and stuff. I mean, he he doesn't like carry himself kind of like a made man. He's sort of yeah. just out there for any kind of paycheck he can get. Yeah, that's sort of true. You wouldn't think he would need that, but. Um, <laughs> So I marijuana settled, habit's not cheap. I settled on a 65 for him overall, which I feel pretty good about. Yeah, I actually settled on the same score. A few differences in the individual tool grades, but overall, uh, I think that's very fair, especially in the spectrum uh, of our other grades. We should we should break down that spectrum one of these weeks, you know, kind of put everybody in, into context. But that'll do it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you on the Prospect Podcast next week. is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.